When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Monday, August 14th. This is On Deck. I'm Steven Nesbitt, and I'm joined by Levi Weaver. Levi, how was your weekend? Good weekend. It's the last weekend before the kids go back to school. So whenever you're watching this, if it happens to be on Monday, the kids are back in school in Dallas. Uh, it is, it's a weird time, man. You go from just having your kids all around all the, around all the time to now they're, they're gone all the time. I don't know what to do with myself. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the Cedric Mullins show, which happened on Sunday. We are going to go through our series of the week. Uh, it's uh, it's home run pick day. Home run. What are we? What are we calling this? It's not arms uh, race. Homer chase. Homer chase. Yeah, that's the that's the name we gave it. And um, we are also going to listen to. I got a preview of this and. Um, it's only about 45 items long, but uh, Stephen is going to tell us about his top 45 bobbleheads. So buckle in, folks. You're in for a treat. Roughly 45 items long, and they're actually all bobbleheads that of guys that were traded before. It's like the unreleased. Those are my favorites, the ones that never lived. The Rangers, the, the Rangers did one a few years ago. They, they traded for Jonathan Lucroy, right? And that was supposed to be a big trade. He was supposed to solve the, the rotating door that had been at catcher since Pudge left. They trade for him. Of course, the, the sales department goes, yeah, we're doing a Lucroy. He's going to be our Star Wars guy next year. We're going to do a Star Wars Jonathan Lucroy thing. I don't know what pun they had cooked up, but he got traded before it happened. And so they had Jedi bobblehead. That was it. Just Jedi. Your generic Texas yep. Rangers Jedi bobblehead. Jedi, Jedi bobblehead. From the Jedis to uh, whatever magic Cedric Mullins had going. A week ago, we were on here talking about a Julio Rodriguez catch that uh, that played a big part in ruining Fernando Tatis's day. And now we have a, a, a day forward. after. That's right. That's true. A day after the Orioles won uh, Saturday, one nothing in 10 innings. They won 5-3 in 10 innings on Sunday after Mullins stole a homer from Ty France in the ninth inning. It would have been a game-tying homer, and then Dominic Canzone hits a homer anyway. Uh, so I suppose it uh, saved, the, saved the game entirely. And then Mullins comes back in the, in the 10th inning, hits a two-run bomb. His first three games since being activated from the injured list in the summer, that's just been full of like groin strain problems. He was on the injured list starting in May. He came back, and then in July, he, he was out for another month. So a season that's gone so well for the Orioles has not gone quite as well for Cedric Mullins because of those injuries, but he's back. He certainly looks like he's as athletic as ever. And we're in a position now where the Orioles are the class of the AL. They have pulled ahead of the Rays. They're pretty, you know, I remember going on the radio, I think in um, Toronto at the trade deadline, and someone asked, do you think, you know, I think anyone's going to catch the Rays this year? And I, I believe I said yes. I hope I said yes. But I didn't think it was going to happen quite so like just forcefully here with the the Orioles taking over soon after the trade deadline and then um, 
without running away from it in a in a division that's so difficult they're really starting to make some space where they're up three on the Rays and then up eight on the Jays uh, Red Sox 11 back Yankees 13 back and barely around the you know the 500 perimeter there so what we have today is a, an Orioles team that is not led by its rotation but has a rotation that's holding together has a lineup that I think you can stack up against you know almost any out there and they've got a bullpen that again is, is is pretty shut down, pretty lights out. So they have, I think they do have the recipe for for what it takes to be successful in October. I actually said a similar thing. I think a day or two before the the trade deadline of like American League teams that I think could go to the World Series, and the Orioles were the first team that I mentioned. I don't mention the Rangers first because I'm so afraid of being called a homer because I live in Texas. I think yeah, I, I can't do that. I, and I do think that after the deadline, the Rangers are right there. I think they've been on a, a quite a hot streak since the deadline. The Rays are still very good. But what I wish that I had been clever enough to remember is like, oh, yeah, even though they didn't make any big additions to their lineup, you got freaking Cedric Mullins coming back, playing like a megastar. That's going to be a huge addition to the Orioles if he can stay healthy. Man, what a catch that was, too. Just going up banging into the wall he catches it over the wall falls on his like in a push-up position basically man that's a special special player and uh i think there are probably quite a few teams that are really upset that the orioles didn't trade him one of those years when they were really bad and probably could have got a lot in return for him they held on to him and that appears to be the smart move i think they are probably my favorite in the al you can tell how confident i am because my voice jumped two and a half octaves but i they're they're right there it is difficult to bet a whole lot on on this rotation because I don't know that they're I don't know that they're the team that just wants like the what, what you know the five and dive the, the four and dive even starting pitcher in the playoffs. But when you're looking at a rotation that is let's go trying to like go from the top, you got Kyle Bradish, Kyle Gibson, Grayson Rodriguez has been really uh, really good lately. Of course, he had a pretty disastrous first run with them that led to a demotion early in the season. Jack Flaherty is an arm you're going to trust in the in the postseason, I think. And then Dean Kramer would be the last arm. I'm not sure exactly where they go there. And they can, you know, try to shorten these games a bit and use two of those guys in, in long relief roles and bulk roles. They're so strong at the back end of that bullpen with Cano, with Batista, and even, you know, Fujinami, too, has, has pitched some big innings. Yeah. They're a team that I think can do it in a couple of ways, but... It's a it's a lineup that you know I said they could stack up against anybody. It's going to require you as maybe the I don't know if the average baseball fan is following this you know this podcast. You might be you might be avid doing it. Our listeners are the smartest listeners in all of baseball fandom. You know that, Stephen. Here's the angle. Then you're going to have to teach a couple people some names because this is a a lineup that is getting big production from guys that maybe you, uh, you know, maybe is not just certainly not household names. Adley Rutschman, people should know. He was a first one, one pick. He was the crowned, you know, the future in Baltimore. As soon as he was drafted, he's batting lead off for them. Catcher, one of the better, certainly one of the best catchers in the game. I think one of the better players in the, in the game and, and so versatile, but then, you know, Gunnar Henderson has, has bounced back in a big way. I think after a, a pretty slow start, Anthony Santander, you should know by now. Ryan O'Hearn is a, a little bit of a surprise, given that I don't think people expected him to jump into that middle of that lineup alongside Ryan Mountcastle, uh, Mullins. And then you have even a guy like um, Adam Frazier has played some big big games for them, big innings. I covered in Pittsburgh, who's just kind of like a steady Eddie contact hitter. But uh, they're 
even more fun players on the way. But right now, I think it's a cast, a lineup that's done a ton of damage with some, I think, lesser names at this point. Yeah, I'm actually a little shocked that there aren't more guys with OPS over 800. And this is these stats are through like before Sunday's game. But Adley Rutschman is right there at 800 for the season. Ryan O'Hearn, 821. That's it. I mean, you got some guys in the high sevens. Gunnar Henderson, 781. You've got, uh, who else have we got here? You know, Cedric Mullins, 778. And uh, Santander, 798. Good hitters, a good lineup. It's a, it's a deep lineup. But there's not, like, the guy that's leading them with home runs is Gunnar Henderson with 19. That's, that's very, that's good. That is a good hitter. There's no, like, megastars, though. With the exception of Mullins, who I think is a megastar. They're doing it in a... I think in a different way, but not so extreme as, say, Cleveland, who is contact hitter or low strikeout. They are a team that can score a bunch of runs, I think. They're just probably not going to do it all over the fence. And their, their home park, like we have to mention that, that plays, that plays a pretty big factor, especially for right-handed hitters. With the way they've, they've uh, moved back that left field wall, it is no longer uh, an easy poke out to left. We just saw Adley Rutschman become the second left-hander ever to get it over that wall in two seasons. I believe the first was James Outman of the Dodgers earlier this season. So it is a big wall up to get that ball out to left. And, and I think that's contributed to the lower home run rates. But Levi, the other thing I want to throw at you is, is we're getting John Means back soon. If He was kind of like the only Orioles starter people knew uh, in the last couple of years uh, before the, the, you know, the Kramers and, and folks Once like that figured it out. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see where he, let me, let me check that out. I'm curious to see where he slots in because they may just plan to bring him back in a bulk, inter, in a sort of interesting role. He just made his first rehab start two days ago and looked good in that, in that start. And that's a guy who, I mean, he tossed a no hitter, didn't he? A couple years ago. So maybe, I mean, that's another arm. If you need a lefty out of the pen for two innings, come, bulk, come postseason, maybe you don't want to give him one of the starts because he's not built up to that. But uh, he's a guy I think is going to probably play a sneaky big role for them. It's August 13th. I mean, spring training's six weeks long. He could start games by the time the playoffs come. Yeah, it means, so it means lefty, 381 career ERA for them. Has been a really good ball player for them in a time when they were not a good baseball team. And he sort of slogged through that. Middle ground had Tommy John surgery at a pretty unfortunate time right when they were getting fun. And now he's back. He's back to join the fun. And, and as much as we asked them to go get a starting pitcher and they did that with Jack Flaherty who may not have been as sort of upper echelon as people wanted there just weren't that many rental starters out there of that caliber and to get John Means back was well, a pretty good one-two punch there so as much as I hate the sort of uh trope of like our best addition at the deadline is a guy coming back from the injured list you know I'll, I'll, I'll buy it on this one and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get into our series of the week. I'll jump in on this one. I've got the Philadelphia Phillies and the Toronto Blue Jays. These are two teams that are very, very similar records, very, very similar situations as far as where they sit in the standings. The Phillies are 65 and 54. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10 games, and they lead the wild card 
by uh, three games in the National League. They're a game and a half over San Francisco for the second spot. Toronto, meanwhile, 66 and 54. They are six and four in their last 10. They are currently in the third wild card spot. They're a game and a half over Seattle since Toronto won on Sunday. Seattle lost. It was down to a half a game. Looking at the last two weeks for these teams, it looks like there's a pretty clear narrative, which is to say that the Philadelphia Bats have been blazing hot. Nick Castellanos has six home runs in the last two weeks. You know, JT Real Muto, uh, 1030 and 37 appearances. Brandon Marsh, only 18 played appearances, but 1044. You got three more guys that are in the 900s, and those are three guys who you, the Phillies have needed to be big for them all year long. Alec Bohm, Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, finally Trey Turner coming to the game, like finally getting over this months-long slump. The Phillies have to feel good about that. Meanwhile, they're pitching. They've got, you know, Dylan Covey, four innings pitched with no earned runs allowed. Uh, Mike Lorenzen obviously threw a no-hitter in Vans, so his ERA is 106 in the last couple weeks. Ranger Suarez, 225. Matt Strom, 257. Craig Kimbrell, 3. The slight problem here, um, Aaron Nola has a 523 ERA the last couple of weeks. They need him to be good. You know, the FIP says 365. It's probably, it's a 320X FIP, so he's probably fine. He's still throwing, you know, 12.19K per nine. Phillies are on fire. I'm a little surprised that they're only 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. Toronto, on the other hand, not on fire from their bats. Davis Schneider has been a revelation. 31 plate appearances, 1196 OPS. Hey, that is a great welcome to the big leagues. He's killing it. Bo Bichette, 1071, but he's on the IL now. Uh, that's only seven plate appearances. Brandon Belt, 1067. He's doing great. Good little stretch here for Brandon Belt. After that, there's literally only one player with an OPS of over 800 for the last two weeks, and that is George Springer at 835. Only one more player after that is over 700, and that's Dalton Varsho. He's at 718. Everybody else is under 700. Paul DeYoung's OPS the last two weeks, and this is 34 plate appearances, so he's had some plate appearances. And again, this is OPS, not batting average. 118. A 118 OPS over the last two weeks. That's not going great. Meanwhile, they're pitching. Their bullpen has been very, very good. They have had 26 innings, and this is, I, I have not checked to see if this is held up for Sunday's game, but 26 scoreless innings, nine from Bowden Francis, six and two-thirds from Genesis Cabrera, one from Trevor Richards, three from Jay Jackson, Tim Meza, Hagen Danner, all have not allowed runs. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi has been phenomenal since he's come back. 193 ERA for Eric Swanson in four and two-thirds innings and a 238 from Kevin Gaussman. Pitching has been pretty good for the Blue Jays, but they have decided to go back to a five-man rotation because Alec Manoa was not cutting the mustard. And I am still just, I'm so confused by what happened to Alec Manoa because he was so, so good last year. This is now his second stint in the minor leagues. The first stint, he went all the way down to like developmental league. They got him back up. He looked kind of okay for a minute and then very, very not okay. And he's back in AAA now. Uh, I wish that I knew what the solution was for him, but they still have their five starters now. They're starting to starting to look good. I do need to point out, after I wrote all of these stats down for the last two weeks and talked about how hot the Phillies' bats were, they got shut out on Sunday. So... Thanks, Phillies, for uh, hanging me out to dry. By the way, I said the Blue Jays' bats were not doing great. They scored 11 runs on Sunday. So who knows what's going to happen? Nobody, least of all me. But uh, yeah, two teams that are in very similar situations. I think it's a big series for both of them, obviously in different leagues, but both trying to um, 
press forward for a for a playoff spot. So that's my series of the week to watch. Your update from Sunday's games, I think you said, is the Blue Jays a bullpen had a had a, a scoreless streak. Mm, they had from six of their relievers, they had a, a little scoreless uh-huh. streak of twenty six innings. It wasn't from everybody, but just those six guys. Oh, okay, well, the only guy, only reliever who allowed runs today was Jay Jackson. I don't know if he was part of that mm, crew. He was but, on the um, list. He had three and a third scoreless, but you're off. You're off the team, Jay. Well, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, the Philly on the Philly side of things, they they it seemed like they built up so much momentum, and then to hit the sort of buzzsaw they did with Pablo Lopez and and Sonny Gray over the weekend, back to back, and then get shut out on Sunday. Tough look to only put up one run in those two games uh, for a team that's so reliant upon its offense. So we'll see where that one goes. Uh, good series to watch. I'm uh, have my eyes on a couple first place teams here: the Brewers against the Dodgers. The Brewers are really pulling away in the Central. They are currently ahead of the Reds, ahead of the Cubs, uh, pretty pretty you know, easily at this point. 65 and 54, seven and three in their last ten. Four games uh, in a row, hitting uh, four game winning streak. And this is a team that I do think can get better in the in the near term because Rowdy Telez is on rehab assignment currently coming back from a gnarly finger injury if you haven't looked at the details of that one go take a look batting practice uh shagging can can go very wrong they have the rotation to hang with anybody I mean this is this is really the the just about the best there is out there Devin Williams uh, as their closer is fantastic and they're going to go up against the Dodgers who are Probably the hottest team in baseball right now. Eight wins in a row, nine and one their last ten, seventy-one and forty-six, and have I have again. We talked about these first place teams really taking care of business, pulling away from the pack. That that AL that NL West was a extremely intriguing division for a while, and now the Dodgers are making it unso, and that is what you do when you are that talented. This is um, at a time when I think the Dodgers rotation looks so much more Dodgers like than it did earlier this year when we were looking at. Julio Arias, Noah Syndergaard, Bobby Miller, uh, Gavin Stone, Emmett Sheehan. Like we, they were, they were, they were really uh, grasping at straws for a while with Clayton Kershaw out. Uh, I guess Tony Gonsolin was in there as well. But now it looks a whole lot more, a whole lot more normal. The probables for this this series are Bobby Miller against Wade Miley, Clayton Kershaw against Adrian Hauser, and Lance Lynn against Corbin Burns. Lance Lynn has looked like. Corbin Burns since joining the Dodgers. So we'll see just how that goes a little bit more on Burns later in this uh, episode. But uh, the Dodgers have recently lost Joe Kelly to the injured list. J.D. Martinez has been out all week. So they need to get healthy. But when you have the top of your lineup, first off, when it's Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, you're doing pretty well. And the way they're cooking lately, Dodgers in a very good position. And, and despite all that's been written and said about them holding back a little bit this year or considerably this year, maybe making uh, gearing up to make a run at Shohei Otani in the offseason, they're still a very, very good baseball team. And when you put them up against the Dodgers or against the, the Brewers, you just see vastly different lineups. And so the Brewers are getting it done. I think they're going to be just fine to take things to the finish line in the NL Central, but it's more for lack of competition there, whereas the Dodgers I th- still think are, are such a such a threat to to go deep in the in the postseason just because of uh, even on just on the strength of that lineup. All right, Levi, you know what time it is. It's time for us to step in the on deck arcade where we play a couple games each week. Arms race each weekend. We pick one starting pitcher, put them head to head, take their game score 2.0 and, and pick a winner. And uh, historically has not gone very well for me. And then we do the Homer chase where we uh, pick a hitter each week. We take up tally up all their homers and we move along. And so at the end of uh, each week, we have tick stock of where we're at. And arms race, boy, interesting 
weekend here. I took Brian Bayo for the Red Sox over the Tigers. You know, my Tigers, I picked on them four times this year. It hasn't gone well for me, any of them. Somehow the Tigers are just showing up when I pick against them. So I'm going to give you a, a head-to-head here with Corbin Burns, who is your pick, Brian Bayo, who's mine. Which, by the way, I want you to see my notes from, from last week. I wrote down Andrew Abbott and Corbin Burns. I was so convinced in my mind that I had picked Andrew Abbott. When I saw what he did to the Pirates, I was like, it's in the bag, baby. Andrew Abbott, like, he had a great game, dominated the Pirates. Like, this is in the bag. And I logged on today to do the home run chase and realized, no, I'd gone with Corbin Burns. Let's hear the head-to-head. So, uh, spoilers, no one did well. Both these guys struggled in their starts, but I'll go category by category and we'll see. I think it'll be a little easier to, to figure that out. So, who won each category? Innings pitched slash batters faced or, or outs recorded is, is how the, the equation goes. Corbin Burns takes that one. Five and two-thirds innings, whereas Bayo went four and two-thirds, didn't make it out of the fifth inning. Hits recorded. Burns wins that one as well. Eight versus nine for Bayo. Runs allowed, however, Bayo only allowed four, Burns allowed five. Again, neither of them particularly good. Home runs allowed. The the equation dings you for a bit for giving up too many homers. Burns wins that one again. It's uh, He allowed one, Bayo allowed two. And then walks, uh, no, no rocks for Bayo. He wins that one, whereas three for your man Corbin Burns. And the last category is strikeouts, and they tied five to five. So where do you think they shake out here? I was convinced until we got the walks. Um, I, d- I don't know. I don't, I don't know the, the equation. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, you won. Unfortunately, no. Again, you get 40 points for just like throwing the first pitch of the game, and we both moved move backward. Uh, you're, t- you're, you're Corbin Burns to 37 and Brian Bayo to 30. So was not a great weekend. You're moving up to, wow. el- you're moving up to 11 wow. and 3 on the, on the season series, and I just counted there are seven weeks left. So I think this might be out of reach. However, I'm going to do my best to scratch and claw my way back Wait. toward... Was my number. magic number one I and I didn't even it, know it? I think it may have been. We definitely employ researchers on this show and we'll have them run the numbers and figure that one out. I'm disappointed. I wanted to, I wanted to have my celebration ready. You mentioned Andrew Abbott as your, uh, as your backup. I haven't looked up his score. However, I mentioned basically everybody in the, the Dodgers staff as someone who I thought about. And it would have gone extremely easy W on that side. If I'd gone Clayton Kershaw had a 60, Lance Lynn had a 67 and Julio Rios. I don't have his number cause he just pitched on Sunday, but uh, he pitched great and he definitely outscored that one. Uh, yeah, 64 is what you, the score you would have gotten for um, Andrew Abbott. So we're going to try our best next week. Cause this was a, this was a stinker, a clunker of a weekend, but moving on to the Homer chase last week, you picked Aaron Judd. You finally cashed in that Yankees card. Uh, we're only allowed to pick one each team one time important reminder and I went Matt Walner from the twins really riding the high of him hitting a walk-off homer and this went uh, your way but not resoundingly it was two to one and so Walner Walner didn't quite keep pace but he didn't give me a zero and so I'm up 21 to 18 so you're you're making this a little bit of a closer edge here with with seven weeks left so I'm gonna go with the first pick here I have a couple I feel good about but I'm gonna go with Corbin Carroll I have not picked the Diamondbacks. Okay. And I'm going that direction over a teammate of his, Christian Walker, and another guy I'll mention later because of two things. First off, playing at Coors three games to start the week, and then they go to Petco, 
And the big thing is they have four games there. They had no games off this week, and I just trust Corbin Carroll is going to play every day, whereas Christian Walker might have a day or two off. So show us. Christian Walker, baby. I, I almost went with Bellinger or perhaps Dansby, Dansby Swanson. Cubs are playing a whole lot better than the Diamondbacks right now. You know, got the good vibes going. I'm probably going to regret not picking one of those two guys, but I just... For the same reasons, Christian Walker has 24 home runs on the year, three in the last uh, I think week and a half, two weeks, and uh, yeah, going to going to Coors. So it's a good week for the other guy. Uh, I was thinking about also goes to Coors, but only for two games. Luis Robert Jr. Uh, for the White Sox, I have not picked him yet. He's having a great season, 31 homers, but they only play I think five games this week, and so I I was worried about that. So Coors effect, anytime you can take it, you do. Uh, Corbin uh, Carroll, like I mentioned, has 21 homers to Christian Walker's 24, but maybe the extra ABs and maybe an extra game played will will help me out there. So that'll do it for us. Time to go. Thank you, uh, as always, for listening. Thanks to producer Brian for helping us out on the backside of this one. You can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. Subscribe to The Athletic for $2 per month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. Sign up for The Wind Up, The Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal and a few people chipping in here and there for absolutely free. Give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 32EFIS and I'm at Stephen J. Nesbitt. The two of us will be back on Thursday with more of what's on deck. Can't believe I won this week. No way. (laughs) Not deserved whatsoever.